This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. So it's been two weeks since it opened, and everyone is still talking about and seeing Joker, which, regardless of whether you thought it was a true Joker movie or not, it's a big win for our industry. Another big win for our industry is everything Legion M is doing. Uh, their new movie, Jay and Silent Bob's Reboot, uh, hit yesterday and will be in theaters again tomorrow night. Uh, we personally weren't able to screen a copy ourselves because you have to be part of a fan meetup, and I ain't got no time for that. Uh, but the fact that it was fan-funded is also pretty cool. And finally, Vault Comics. They've been in business for two years. They've already got a movie, Fast Track, a TV series debuting next year, and a few options under their belt. Uh, they're the hot new imprint in comics. And we're ranking them all tonight. Because what else we got to do? The best Jokers, the best and worst Kevin Smith movies, the best Vault Comics brought to you from none other than their own editor-in-chief, Adrian Wassel. And it's all brought to you by the Superhero Tour of New York City. Discover where your favorite superheroes save the day on the Super Tour of New York City. Receive 10% off with code SECRETS at checkout. Go to secretsofthesire.com slash onlocation to book your tour today. Secrets of the Sire starts now. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios Digital Network. Big announcements, big announcements tonight. YouTube.com slash Sire Studios. We changed the URL. However, if you still type in slash Secrets of the Sire, you can still get to us. Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire and Twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire. That'll be changing soon, too. Uh, the Sire is going to be appearing on this week's episode of Evil on CBS, the new hit show. Uh, there's a young boy who may be possessed by a demon uh, or might be a psychotic killer. We're not sure which. But he's a big comic book fan, and littered all across his room are posters, including almost the one that Hassan Godwin drew. How almost. you doing, sir? Yeah. Except yeah. it had a logo on it. Maybe if they hid the logo, we'll see. We could have Photoshopped that logo out. We I just didn't have, a, I didn't have a physical I know, we didn't have. It's not, it's not a... It's not. I could have given you. I could have given you a raw copy, but we didn't. I didn't know about it until. until well, you know. I, it printed out on eleven by seventeen paper. That was the key. See, it had to be a physical copy that I had to send in. We but, could have printed it. I, I did it in eleven seven. No, I know. No, I know. Matter. I trust me. I know. I printed them out in eleven by seventeen, <laughs> except it had a New York Comic Con logo. But anyway, yeah. watch Evil Thursday, ten p.m. Eastern, and you can see the sire. Uh, somewhere on this guy's on this guy's wall, this kid's wall. Um, I also sent in copies of Mainstream Descendant, um, the Sire in general, uh, some Grimm's fairy tales that I did. So there's some Sire Studio stuff on CBS this week. So that's huge. Stuff Descendant, happening. Descendant coming out. Kickstarter uh, launch date announced will be November fifth, and the Sire Volume Two trade paperback is now on Comicsology. We're going to be doing an Indiegogo next. Still month. say this all could be done in the cold open. I. I'm your host, Michael Dolce, joined as always by the Lord of the live stream himself, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> We've got a jam-packed episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are ranking the best Kevin Smith movies, the best Joker actors, and we've got Vault Comics' Adrian Wassel coming on. So very excited. So let us get right into it with your Sire Bites. Don't Sire forget. Bites. Yeah, I love that sound, Sire but don't forget. Bites. <laughs> <laughs> Sire don't, bites. Don't record that. 
Sire Bites <laughs> is brought to you by the Super Tour of New York City. You'll see over 40 filming locations for movies and TV shows like The Avengers, Spider-Man, and Jessica Jones. Receive 10% off with code SECRETS at checkout. Heroes, comics, and more. Go to secretsofthesire.com slash on location. Oh hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste your time. But we I'm gotta pay little, the bills, my man. We gotta pay, I'm a little, we gotta pay yeah, the whatever. bills. Yeah, you got there's the there are other segments to pay those bills though. Stop wasting my Zoe time. Zoe Kravitz to play Catwoman in the Batman. Uh, this is according to Variety, came out Tuesday. Big Little Lies star Zoe Kravitz has been tapped to play Catwoman, the anti-heroine. And sometimes love interest of Cape Crusader. This is big news. No, uh, it's Kravitz not. will star opposite Robert Pattinson as Batman. Um, Why is this big news? I think there. Well, you know what's really funny is there's a lot of people out there that would sit there and go, "Oh my gosh, another gender swapped character." However, Eartha Kitt played Catwoman in the sixties, yeah, way back in the like way back in the day. So it's yeah, actually so, everybody, so it's not a big deal. It's no, not, it's not. It's, it's not. not. A, it's not. The biggest news is that Zoe Kravitz and. And people are slightly underwhelmed by the choice that it's Zoe. Even though I don't really mind her, I, I kind of like her, and I like this. I've liked her in in uh, X Men, yeah, uh, First Class, and I've yeah. liked her in uh, in Mad Max and a couple of other, and the the, the Harry Potter films, not the Harry Potter, the right. no, no, Fantastic Beasts, right? Fantastic Beasts, and where right. you find them? Um, so I mean, I think the, it's a good, it's the a big, good get. The big to-do about this particular casting, though, is that apparently he, she was up for the role uh, in Dark Knight Rises also, but was told she was too urban. That was the supposed uh, rumor mill. Uh, so now there's a little justice that gets done. Urban. What is, okay, what does that euphemism mean? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> you could. You just, you're not going down that <laughs> rabbit hole. No, you know exactly what that means. You're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going. Yeah, I don't, and I don't blame you. The, I don't blame you. I, you know what? If you had my, posed that question to me, I'd be like, I ain't. Talking. My only regret in uh, in her casting <laughs> is that the role came down to her, uh, Baby Driver's Isaac Gonzalez, Oscar winner Alicia Vikander, mm-hmm. and Zazie Beetz. Zazie Beetz is my like favorite actress of the yeah, month. Yeah, Beach would have been... She's uh, just... She's, like, phenomenal in everything. And Janelle Monáe like, was, 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 could have been... That would have been, that yeah. would have been another she, really great choice. Yeah, but Zazie Beetz. Let's, let's stay on Zazie Beetz because she's just wonderful. Oh. Like, she, she had, was, like, what, a she handful... Was just, she was just in Gotham, technically. I know, I know. She just had a handful of scenes in Joker, and I still, like, every scene she's in, she just, she steals the show. She is uh, wonderful. Isn't and that weird? Because she didn't do a damn no, thing. It was no. just her presence. Yes. She was just, like, she was a very calming yes. presence. Yes. And you, and you kind of hoped, um, you kind of hoped it was all working out between her and, uh, <laughs> and, and Joker there. Yeah. But, um, you know. If you want to hear our Joker review, uh, go check out SecretsOfTheSire.com or go to YouTube.com slash Sire Studios. And but it's, can... tom- it's tough to have meaningful relationships when you blow away TV talk show hosts. You know, it really, it, it puts a crimp on a lot of things. A little bit. A really little bit. Yeah. Apple Podcasts, you can download our review from there. Um, Sirebite number two, Joker goes crazy with 55 million, 55 million Adam's family buries Gemini man. Uh, yeah. Globally, Joker has collected a staggering 544 million 
Meanwhile, at the specialty box office, Parasites scored the second biggest average in three years. Todd Phillips' Joker is laughing all the way to the bank, earning an outstanding $55 million in its sophomore weekend for a 10-day domestic total of $192.7 million, a massive global haul of $543 million. So much for the Will Renaissance. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the Will Renaissance. Joker <laughs> easily remained at number one. Um, uh, Angley's burying Angley's big budget Gemini Man, starring Will Smith, which followed at number three behind Adam's Family, uh, with an estimated twenty point five million. Uh, in overseas. all defense for the Will Man, yeah, everyone's saying he was brilliant in the film. It's just that the film's like meow. The thing, the thing, meow. You know, the whole I for the whole like novelty of that film though was the fact that. Uh, it was like using that aging technology or de-aging technology that we've seen in like Ant-Man now, we've seen in uh, in Captain Marvel. Um, I remember when Jeff Gomez uh, came on, I don't know if it was when he first came on the show uh, or off air, you know, but they were talking about doing, you know, Indiana Jones movies and young Star Wars movies by using this technology, you know, having an older actor, uh, but what's broadcast on screen, this is the Avatar technology. This is, this, this is the groundbreaking technology James Cameron took like 20 hey, years to yet. develop. We ain't there yet, but unfortunately, they did, they did some really good stuff. They 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 do some really good stuff. They do, yeah. And and um, I gotta honestly say, the um the few times I've seen it, the the um who is it? Uh, uh Michael Douglas, yeah, Ant Man, amazing. Um, yeah. and uh, Robert Downey Jr. when he was when he was uh. Um, less than zero, Robert Downey Jr. When yeah. he was less than zero, Tony Stark in um, in the, I think it was a, a Civil War. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I'm sure the Will Smith thing it looks amazing. Yeah, but we're still we still got a little uncanny valley valley situation happening. Rogue One when they did that to uh, you know it's uh, funny rewatched that Harry rewatched Fisher. that scene and and in the theater to me was almost flawless. Uh, rewatched it on Netflix, and I was like, ah. But you know, you knew it was coming. The first time you didn't, you know. So the first time you're just like, what? And what about Tarkin? Yeah, only, I know. You I know. know what I liked about he was Tarkin good though. Thing. He was good the whole time. I, I think it was brilliant, and I and the, what I liked is the boldness of making him like a main villain. Yeah. Even though he was dead, you know, and yeah. it was and just relying on that technology, I liked the boldness of it, and I think the actor was great, and that felt like Tarkin to me. It yeah. really did, but. You put that next to actual Peter Cushing, and you're like, no, wow, that's not. I mean, we are we are light years away from the de aging of uh, um, Jeff Bridges from Tron. That was that's astonishing how yeah. bad that looks now. Yeah, but um, I mean, I mean, it works it, because it they're in years. a computer. Yeah, give it five I mean, years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the funny thing too. The first, the first Dark Phoenix uh, movie, um, when they de-aged uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellen, yeah. was was ghastly. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, Patrick oh, Stewart yeah. looked yeah. he looked terrifying. Yeah, you know, he looked he looked X-Men like Last a, Stand. He like a last stand. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Not was Dark that Phoenix, Last but, Dance. Yeah, Last Stand. Last Stand. Here, here's the. Um, no, it was a, but it, he, it was about the Dark Phoenix. No, I know, I know, it but I, just, so I don't, Dark I don't. Phoenix. Yeah, I know. I just want to make sure people, because I only heard Dark Phoenix. I didn't hear first, but I'm sure you did say that. Well, it's because uh, you never listened to me. Who said that? Why? You. Who's talking yeah. to me? Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like you hit your head. I think you hit your head. Yeah, I've been hitting my head for <laughs> two years now. Don't talk um, about it. Don't talk about it. The um, 
the one thing that I'm looking forward to is de-aging technology. And th- there's, this is just my hope. That has, there, I've never read anything about it. My hope is that they will uh, use that technology in the new Indiana Jones movie. That's my hope. That we'll Why get, do you want it? You want so you can get young Indiana Jones? Yeah, I want. I want a couple flashbacks. I want some flashbacks where we can actually see a young Indiana it Jones. It still will. De- de- it still will depend on the prowess of the actor, though. I mean, if he can't move like a young man, it's just going to start looking awkward all over again. You know what it is, right? though. You can, you can, d- d- depending on how you shoot that, though. You can have a, a stand. I mean, look at look at Tarkin. He he was played by a. 40 something, you know, British actor. So, I mean, you can and he get was dead. Well, no, yes. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a big deal. I guess that's a big deal. I guess it's a big. So, and you know what supposedly the woman who um I think his administrative assistant or something like that, the person his publicist, yeah. Peter Cushing, who was still alive, she had to leave the room. Yeah. Because it was too it was so uncanny yeah. for her. It was, you know, so I mean, yeah. yeah. I got to watch that again. I yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Ah, We're doing a little abbreviated yeah. version of Sirebites. We're doing a little abbreviated first segment because it, this is like actually hearkening back to the uh, talk radio.nyc uh, days when we only had 12 minutes uh, to start a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because we, we're just jam-packed. We... We're supposed to go see Kevin Smith's new movie, but it turns out you can't go see Kevin Smith's new movie. Uh, it's funded by Legion M and it's only showing in certain theaters. Uh, so we're going to hopefully review it next week. But I thought, why not? Let's do, a, let's do a rank them. Let's rank Kevin Smith movies from best to worst. Uh, and also, because Joker's just laughing all the way to the bank, I mean, we, we got to rank the uh, Joker actors now. And I found an article that I think you'll like that kind of includes every single Joker that's ever made it up on screen. So when we come back. The Sire Volume 2 Trade Paperback is available now on Comixology.com. Telling the story of a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil, Volume 2 Lost in Time features the Sire taking on a super-powered mob, a West Coast threat, and dinosaurs. Featuring a cover by Jim Calafuri and art by superstars Talent Caldwell, Tony Moy, Daniel Leister, Sue Sherpa, and more, this trade collects Sires 7 through 10 and features all new bonus material. Go to Comixology.com and type in The Sire in the search bar to purchase your digital copy today. That's The Sire, Volume 2, Lost in Time, now on Comixology.com. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sires again. Sires, jeez, man, I'm just all over the place. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Ovecki, program director Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. Uh, we had some cool news. It doesn't seem like a big announcement. But youtube.com slash Sire Studios because we got some cool new stuff coming down the pipeline. We're always doing comic book stuff. Descendant Kickstarter launching November 5th. Sire Volume 2 Trade Paperback now on Comixology with an Indiegogo campaign 
uh, coming up in a few weeks as well. Uh, but we've got some cool podcast stuff in the works. So we had to rebrand our YouTube channel because it's not just going to be Secrets of the Sire. We're going to be expanding. It's going to be exciting. So stay tuned for that. This is our Rankum episode. We are going to do some fun stuff. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob are rebooting uh, Legion M. The, it funded the movie Legion M. We've had them on the show as well, too, and they're really awesome. Uh, it is a totally fan-funded uh, entertainment company, and they brought Jay and Silent Bob back. So by doing so, I thought it would be kind of neat. So I was looking online, and I found Kevin Smith movies ranked by Rotten Tomatoes. So just the Rotten Tomatoes scores has all of Kevin Smith's movies ranked. So there's actually 12 Kevin Smith movies. That's the first thing I thought was, was, was fascinating, which I did not actually realize. I mean, there is the view askew universe and <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a, there's different universes. Uh, however, there is 12. What's your favorite view askew universe movie? Easily the number one ranked one. Easily the number one ranked one, which we'll get to in a second. I'll tell you exactly why. Nothing oh, even comes boy. close to it. All Number right, 12 well. on the list is Cop Out. Do you remember Cop Out? The buddy cop action comedy starring Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan is the first and last time Kevin Smith has directed a film he didn't write. That, that was a Kevin eight. Smith movie? Yeah. That got, huh. a, that got like, an 18% Rotten Tomatoes. It should have. It should have gotten worse than that, actually. <laughs> 11, number 11 was Yoga Hosers. I don't even know. What? Yeah. I what the hell was no that? no idea this was even out. So uh, if anybody's okay. on the Facebook feed, please enlighten me. If you've seen it, just, just, just chime in that you've seen it. Oh, wait, wait. Repeat that name. Repeat yoga that. Hosers. Hosers, like as, with yeah. an H. It's the second installment of what Kevin Smith calls the True North Trilogy. Three vaguely connected horror comedies set in Canada. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Jersey the, the, girl. The other, the other two of the True North are in the list, right? Uh, just no, no. Um, <laughs> I didn't even make the list. There's, there's <laughs> definitely one other. There's definitely one other. Jersey Girl okay. was number ten. Uh, I know which, Jersey Girl. Yeah, we remember Jersey Girl. You know, it was a Kevin Smith attempt to like. Yeah, and it actually even says it in the write up. Uh, this is from Screen Rant, by the way. So it's to pivot board more. Uh, Jersey Girl's the one that did better than Geely, right? The other. Yes. Benefer movie? Yes. At the time? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, he's got no, no, that. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was Geely. Geely was with Jennifer Lopez. This was Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler. Yeah, but Jennifer Lopez is in Jersey Girl. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it was another Benefer movie. And then she I dies so. in the beginning. Spoiler alert. Correct. Which is not really a spoiler alert because Kevin Smith actually said it at the convention just before right. the movie came out. Right. He said, look, just so you all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he had to. He had to. Yeah. Geely was so bad. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for bringing up Geely. It's always good to see that. Um, Tusk is number nine on the list. Oh, I heard Tusk. About that. I've still never seen it. Tusk is the first Another of the Another horror movie. The, the, that's one of the, the horror movie trilogy. Stars Justin Long as a podcaster who goes out to interview a crazy <laughs> old man. Justin Long, that's what it did wrong. Walrus. That's what it did wrong right from the beginning. <laughs> it had Justin Long in it. No good. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait. Are you a Justin Long fan? 
I like Justin Long. <laughs> I could tell by your silence. I wouldn't put this in his pantheon of, <laughs> of, of movies. Uh, underrated Justin Long movie? Accepted. Jeepers Creepers. Another underrated uh, Justin Long movie? The Fourth Die Hard. One of my favorite oh, Die Hards. No. I, like, I like that movie a lot. Oh my God. Okay. Live Free right. Die Hard. It was excellent. Fun movie. <laughs> excellent. Fun movie. That is, okay. That's going in the vault. He flies uh, a... Oh, we have all comics on today. Next. He flies a... Uh, he kills a helicopter with a car. Come on. Next. It's great, Die Hard. I Next. That. I wouldn't rank it as number one in Die Hard. It's not I'd even it on your number, list. Why are we even talking about I would about put die that hard. as number Finish three, Die Hard. List. All right. Finish your list. Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Hmm. Which was okay. This one was kind of like, meh, whatever. This one's surprising. This is number seven. Mallrats. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is eight on yeah. his list? On yeah, this is just 10. rotten. This is tw- top 12. Top, top 12. 12. This is just wow, a rotten, this is the rotten tomatoes uh, scores, too. So it's not like any kind of... And Mallrats is number seven? Seven. It had a 55% rotten tomato score. It failed to drum up the same critical acclaim as his directorial debut, uh, where Clerks was about a bunch of people talking in a convenience store. Mall Rats was a bunch of people talking in a mall, in theory. Well, that's pretty much a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bunch of people talking. Yes. Oh, boy. Chasing Amy's way down there, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Is. Number six was Red State. The first non-comedy directed by Kevin Smith, Red State is a thriller with horror elements about a trio of high school students who are lured into a house with the promise of sex and of getting captured to be sacrificed by a sadistic religious cult. And it's called Red State? Can't say I've ever heard of it or seen it. Again. That's slightly skewed political, don't you think? If it's (laughs) called Red State. Chime uh, in. I've never even heard of that one. This movie, please. Uh, (laughs) There's one. Okay. There we go. Number five was Clerks 2 with a 63%... uh, Rotten Tomato score. Make an argument for Clerks 2 for me. Cause I can't. I didn't like it. I don't like, I didn't right. like Clerks. So David Rosenberg swears by Clerks 2. thinks it's the best one. I, I'm just, man. Nah. Man. Nah. Nah. Uh, Rosaria Dawson. That's all I can give you. And then, you yeah, know, but I can watch Daredevil and see Rosario Dawson. That's, so. that's depending on your taste. Number Daredevil, f- yeah. four. Oh, yeah. You can watch pretty much any Marvel yeah, Marvel Netflix television show and see Rosario Dawson. She's in another movie uh, too. I just saw an ad with I think with like Ed Norton and no, no, she's not in that one. But it looked like her. But anyway, <laughs> number four is Zach and Mary make a porno, which is one of my least favorite movies because he directed that movie. Yeah, he wrote it too. Oh, really? It's one of my least favorite movies because the first, I don't know, thirty to forty-five minutes of it is actually excellent. And then they decide to make a porno, and the whole movie just becomes awful. Like, I can't watch it. It's like one of those things. I literally turned it off halfway through. I'm like, I can't. I was like, he had a really interesting movie uh, with Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks and two people who are friends. And and they didn't need to make the porno for it to be uh, interesting. It was interesting on its own. I didn't even know that was a Kevin Smith movie. I do do agree that it fell apart just Mm -hmm. around the... uh, Yep. Crucial moments. So, yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Dogma, number three. Underrated. 
Uh, uh, uh. No. Number three. Oh, boy. That's a number three on the list. That ranks above... Um, Mall rats. Jay and Silent Bob strike back and yes. Mall rats and, yes. and clerks, too. That's that... Okay. All right. Number two uh, with an eighty-seven percent chasing Amy. That is correct. Uh huh. It's that's a good uh-huh. movie. I remember watching that. I went on a it was a quasi date in high school. Um, with one of my classmates. School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> premise of Chasing Amy makes it sound like a crash juvenile high concept romantic comedy it's about a comic book artist who falls in love with a girl only to be devastated when he finds out she's a lesbian uh, however in the hands of Kevin Smith this is actually a poignant she's kind of a lesbian right <laughs> on sexual she was, identity she was lesbian adjacent yeah <laughs> she, she wasn't technically <laughs> a lesbian she was the B in the uh, in the LGBTQ mm, yes she was the B yeah Number one, still oh, one of my all-time favorite. Still one of my all-time favorite movies, though. Oh. Ironically, well, it's it's all fair because it's the one that started it all. Yes, so it's fair. Clerks works though because it is such a low-budget indie movie. It is a bunch of guys talking. It works because they took that original ending off. Oh well, yes, <laughs> that's for sure. Because I, that would have been the end of Kevin Smith's career if they had. <laughs> if they had, imagine that. Think about that. They had just stuck with that ending. Imagine, have, imagine have, his that career would have taken on a completely well, different trajectory. Well, what if, what if it, it was like, because it, it came out around, I think it's the same year as uh, Pulp Fiction. Like, what if people were just like, wow, he's an ex-Tarantino. Look at this guy. No, he offs the guy that. at the end. They wouldn't have said that. Would, Ironically, I took been, the girl. They would have not accused him of being the next Tarantino. <laughs> I took the girl to see Chasing Amy because we had previously just seen Clerks together. I had to show her. I was like, "You have to watch this movie, Clerks. It's 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 amazing." So that there you go. That's that just that just tied the Mike Dolce High School. And that's your favorite. Your favorite is Clerks. Oh God, yeah. Come on. I mean, Clerks. Clerks at the time, you got to realize also uh, there were no movies like this. There wasn't. I mean, again, it is very Tarantino-influenced, uh, very Reservoir Dogs-influenced in just the way the scene structures are set up. Uh, but it was like a bunch of little skits, and it all worked together. And we just hadn't seen something like that in the 90s. It had an amazing soundtrack, uh, Soul Asylum, uh, as the closer. Uh, you know, can't even I tell. I bet you cannot guess which is my favorite on that list. Ooh. Sands the ones that I didn't even know were his movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go with none of them. None of them. No, that would not be true. Uh, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back? Yeah, that's my oh. favorite. Hey! <laughs> 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 and only because it is it it just embraces the absurdity so much mm-hmm. that it actually was funny because I'm Typically not a fan of his kind of humor. Yeah. Um, but there are some really solid, funny moments in that film. That The one scene I remember in that movie is when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck kind of like stare at each other because they're like, and then some people get pulled into doing favors and they're like, hmm. <laughs> that, that was like the one thing I like remember. That's like one of the least funny moments. <laughs> that actually, I laughed hysterically at that. That had, a, come on, that had um, Will Farrell in it. And he played a character named Marshall Willenholly. <laughs> I 
don't even remember and, him in there. Yeah. And wow. you, I mean, do you even get that joke? No. You don't even get again. the Marshall, Will, and Holly. Marshall, Will, and Holly. You don't even get that joke. See, that's no. that's that's why. That's the difference between us. The original uh, Land of the Lost had three characters named Marshall, Will, and Holly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, it's not a good joke. But the fact that he made the joke is what made that joke a funny <laughs> That's joke. It's more of a not, reference than a... Yeah. But it's a, it's a really terrible reference. <laughs> it's not good. Yes. And the fact that he just went for it is what made it funny. It wasn't like, it. Was, oh, that's pretty clever. It was like, oh my God, really? And then after a while, when they doubled down on it, and they kept doing it, and you're like, oh, we're really doing this. You're, mm-hmm. his, his character's name is really Marshall Will and Ollie. Fine. And then it became a, you know, he was the only really funny thing in that. That and the, the uh, orangutan that they just suddenly... Oh, yeah. yeah I remember they the suddenly orangutan. had an orangutan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think if I saw that movie again now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't find it one bit funny. But we're going to have to do a That was like 15 clerks. years ago that movie came out, you right? Watch. Yes. 97, I think. No, wasn't no? in the 90s. It was in the 2000s. You think it was we 2002? Were at a, I was oh, at that's Wizard. Right. That's right. I was at okay. Wizard. So yeah, 15 and years ago. And I know ago. for a fact that that was a uh, I know for a fact that that was the last supposedly the last of the you know, the viewer skew movies. Right. That was supposed to be his finale. Right. And at the end of the film, he had people from Chasing Amy's. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, I think, uh, was it Shannon Doherty or whatever yep. from, from Mallrats? They all were coming yep. out of the movie theater at the yep. end of it. And mm-hmm. it was supposed to be kind of like, oh, nostalgia. But, you know, it was way before nostalgia was a thing. So people right. were like, no, this is a bad ending. Um, but that was, that's my favorite movie. That should tell you how much I feel, how, how enamored I am with his uh, his cinema. That's my favorite <laughs> Kevin Smith movie. I do think there are better movies than that, though. I do yes. think he. I, I do think Chasing Amy is a better movie. I do think. I do think Mallrats, to an extent, is a better movie. Um, I uh, Clerks. I gotta give him Clerks because I was the same. It was like, it was like the first episode of uh, South Park. Yeah, like you know, the whole, the whole, the the aspect of the experience. It was something was just different having that yeah. experience. Yeah, you know. So in it, I can itself. still watch Clerks though. I've rewatched Clerks. Uh, and you don't in the like past the second five one? years. You don't. You don't like the. Second I don't. One? I don't dislike it. It's it's like it's okay. There's just something about it being in color, and there's just something about the fact that every time you take something that is so perfect in and of itself, and you try to replicate like you kind of said that feeling and that experience in a sequel that's that's why i don't think crystal skull's a terrible movie i don't think it's a good movie either but i think the fact that you're bringing back this character i i can it's i just a sequel I, though this is that's what i don't i don't get that if you don't like it as a sequel if you didn't like it as a movie then you don't like it as a movie that makes sense to me mm-hmm. this this is the thing i always get into issues with with people who you know basically people who hate the prequels you know i i really don't mind if you disliked it because mm-hmm. you thought it was a bad film that's yeah that's your prerogative some the, the the parameters that some people put on movies 
it, it baffles me, you know? So now not to, not to criticize you in any shape or form in the, in the, in the context, I'm just talking in general. Yeah. Oh, he was too old. Okay. I kind of, no. that was kind of, no, I'm just saying just in general, not, yeah. not saying that was kind of the point. It was, it was kind of getting old for it. So that was, you know, that was kind of the point of the film. The film was absurd because there were aliens in it. Okay. So you're not like a fan of the genre because right. it's, you know, okay. So that doesn't make any sense. So in the sense of you're saying they brought them, they brought everybody back. And it's like, to me, that was like, well, it's just a sequel. It was just, you know, if you didn't like it, it was a bad sequel. But if they didn't bring him back, it wouldn't be a sequel. You know, right. like if he I, wasn't I know, in it. I know. You know, so so it's the same with uh, some of these other like aspects of it. It's like I, I get it if you didn't like it. You know, but some things that people were saying about it, about the fridge, oh, like he hides in the fridge. That's absurd. Yeah. Do you know what was a great? Uh, I think it's supposed the spec. to be absurd, though. You know, like, and it's the nuclear age. It's the fifties. Right. Like that was the. That was right. the whole aspect of it. It's like, you know, the, the first few were in the 30s. Right. You know, and now we're in the 50s. So right. now we're, 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 we're glomming on to all the, the aspects of the, that we ourselves in contemporary times think the 50s was like, you know, because we don't right. know. The 50s right. was just like now. And it was just, there was nothing really glamorously special about the 50s other than it was, you know, it was half a century ago. Right. Um, but, Cinema has painted a picture of the six of the fifties, just like it has done the sixties, the seventies, the twenties, or whatever. And so, the the the, the Indiana Jones movie takes on aspects of what cinematically we think the fifties is, you know. And the cinematically, the fifties was War of the Worlds, you know, Do you uh, know what nuclear was a... proliferation, uh, that kind of you know uh, right. interdimensional travel, that kind of stuff, you know. So. That's, Do you know what was a good sequel, did. though? Do you know what was a good sequel where they what brought back the character sequel? after a long period of time of not having that character? Live for your die hard. That was a lot of fun. That's you got not time a segue. For... That, is a, that is a failed segue. Well, it's I'm a terrible segue because we're going to do some Jokers ranked uh, in honor of Joker just breaking massive, massive uh, records uh, and hauling it in. I figure why not, why not cap off our rank them before we welcome Adrian from Vault Comics on by ranking the Joker actors. Now, I found this from New York Times, and I thought this was actually Are we going to rank them, or are we going to read someone else's ranking of it? Let's just, just prepare me for how this segment's going to go. Well, do you, would you like to... What would you like to do? <laughs> All right, look at... What was can, your plan? What was your plan? To do? I was going to read off the uh, New York Times one. Oh, you're going to let them? And then we were going we're gonna, to we're gonna snark our way through it, right? Correct, we're gonna, correct. Okay. All right, go ahead. Correct. Okay. Well, because they had a couple on here that I didn't even really think about. All right. They have, they have Zach Galifianakis from the Lego Batman movie. Forgot about him, did you? Okay. I, you know what? I honestly never saw Lego Batman. I cannot rank him. I cannot Very rank him. good movie. Everyone says that. Very I, I, good movie. I make no – I cast no aspersions. I do not know. Everyone says that people, people I respect have said it's a great movie. And you – have also said it's a great movie. So yes, where do you think Jared Leto's uh, Joker falls on this list of seven Jokers? And this includes an animated Joker where, as well. Where do too. I pre- where do I predict he falls? Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, 
There are seven Jokers, including here's a, here's an anima- two animated ones, if you count the Lego Batman. Here's the movie. thing. The nature of the question alone mm-hmm. makes me think he ranks way higher than he should. Okay. So he's three. No, he is exactly where you think he should be. <laughs> he is number seven. seven. He's number seven. <laughs> uh, poor Jared Leto. He's number seven. I liked seven. his Joker-ish. It was, he was, he was, I think Jared Leto's Joker would be accepted or would be acceptable if there was no Heath Ledger Joker. Or if Heath Ledger's Joker wasn't the command performance that it was. Yeah. Um, I think Jared Leto's Joker would have been given a little more consideration. You but, know, the one thing it doesn't do on this on this countdown is actually incorporate Joaquin Phoenix's. Um, so well, there's actually eight not. Jokers. Too new. Yeah, there's eight Jokers now. Read read the list. Read the list. Let's. Uh, well, let's... I mean, we'll go. We'll go. For, no surprise here. Heath Ledger ranks ranks number one. Jared Leto ranks number seven. Hmm. All right. Uh huh. Jack Nicholson is number four on this list. Yeah, I'm, kind of go, I'm think, going all over the place because I like. I'm I like thinking. It. I'm thinking Mark Hamill is number two. You are correct, sir. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Number three is it's not pop Caesar. Culture list. This is a pop culture list. Yeah, it's not Caesar Romero. It's Cameron Monaghan from Gotham. I've never watched Gotham. I know. I know. Maybe I will when I pick up. So number number three. Yeah. And then he's Jack number Nicholson, three. That's what I'm saying. Zach it's a, then Caesar Romero from the original Batman. It's a pop culture list. It's a, it's a, it's, it's definitely a trend pop culture list. It's these yes. guys. You, these are the guys, you know, now. Yeah. So they're at the top of the list. And these are the guys you probably don't know because you're too young. So these are, they, these go to the bottom and everybody loves Mark Hamill. So Mark Hamill's going to get like an honor. Now Mark Hamill belongs in the top five. He won like, opinion. he won the Joker laugh one as well too, by the way. Yeah. He belongs in the top five yeah. by, by any, by, by, by every measure he belongs in the top five. Um, you can't really, I don't know. Cesar Romero. That's not fair. That's not, putting him on the list in general is not fair. Right. Um, because, and putting him, I think, I would honestly say putting him and putting Jack Nicholson on the list is not really fair. Only because, or maybe, maybe, no, no, that might be Nicholson's wrong. Nicholson's good. Jack Nicholson was the start right. of the Joker. Right. And now, not to say that that was the start of the, of, of the Joker character by any stretch of the imagination, that was the start of the pop culture phenomenon that became the Joker being the 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 Omega, yeah. To to Batman's Alpha, right? Yeah. Um, that was also, if I recall, like that was that's when we were starting. Just just when uh, uh, comic book cinema was starting up, and everybody was kind of uh, kind of gauging mm-hmm. who which other superheroes. Uh, version of the Joker was so like yeah. Superman had Lex Luthor. They gave Spider Man the the Green Goblin, and then it's debatable, right? Yeah. But Spider, so they they kept coming trying to come up with like polar opposites of all characters. And not right. every and they discovered that not every one of these characters has a polar opposite like uh like uh, the Joker, like you know, like uh, the Fantastic Four had Doctor Doom, right, mm-hmm. which is their central villain. Um. But the Joker was, I, I think Jack Nicholson, at least for me and my generation, 
was that that was he was the start of the oh the Joker is not a joke you know he's a he was a serious right uh, contender for you know for the throne of uh, Gotham there you right. know so you can't really have a good Batman movie without the Joker and mm-hmm. then they got Nicholson to do it. Nicholson was, you know, he was basically the star of the movie. In yeah, way. he was. He was first. Yeah, but well, that was a that was a coup to get him because he was a serious actor yeah. and he yeah. was in a, a comic book yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, Where would you put Joaquin Phoenix if if Heath Ledger is is unquestionably the best? And I don't think we disagree with that. Where does Joaquin Phoenix fall? Is he number I don't two? Know is Heath he ahead Ledger of is Jack the best. I do not. I cannot say if Heath Ledger is the best. He's my favorite. I don't know if he's the best. What do you See qualify as the best? I'm just talking about like, okay, like I separate things for the, I liked it. Therefore I'll vote for it as opposed to claiming that this is the greatest because I'm partial to it. Yeah. I don't know if he's the best. I, th- I know, leave that I leave that score open to other know, people to interpret. He's my favorite. The more and more I think about Joaquin Phoenix's performance, and not just his performance, but the actual movie itself, what what we were actually witnessing. Uh, I re- and we talked about it last week in last week's show. I'm not really prescribing to the fact that this is a Joker origin story. I really feel like this is more as if Joker actually existed in pop culture already in this world. Like, in its own world in pop culture, I feel like it existed. And... This is like what happens if somebody dresses up like the Joker. Someone else said something pretty, pretty clever about it. He says that nothing happens after he comes down those stairs. Like him coming down the stairs after he murders a guy in his apartment. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. We don't, we don't, you, well, you don't know who he murders in his apartment. But after he murders a guy in his apartment, um, nothing else is real. Mm. Someone that's someone's interpretation of it. Yeah, like, that whole well, sequence. Because was... suddenly he's dressed up. Suddenly he's got this amazing suit on mm-hmm. that you don't know where he got it from, really. Um, and you know he does this this triumphant dance down this you know yeah, down, yeah, these, yeah, yeah. Uh, down these boulevard steps. And uh, people are like yeah that that's pretty much where he was completely disassociated I mean, he... from reality. Yeah, you know. So you're you're probably right. He's probably not. He's probably not the Joker, right? He he would what would have been great. Would would have been a fantastic, and they just couldn't have done it because it would have been way too meta. Yeah, is if he was a if he was a fan of Batman, right? Of the comic book Batman, and he just took on the Joker's persona, and yeah. it was a it was a movie about a guy who just decided he was the Joker. That would that would be amazing. That would have been amazing because then that whole uh, uh, sequence of him coming down the stairs, which is a great scene. It's a fantastic sure. scene, even even in the theater. Like even when you're watching mm-hmm. it in the theater, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, this is – because you're just waiting for this guy for this entire movie to just stand up. That's the whole movie yeah, you're yeah. waiting for him to kind of do something and stand up. And if, it, if, if Batman was a comic book, a genuine comic book, and he had just decided to take on the persona of the Joker, mm-hmm. at, you know, the, just to get himself out of, and there was no Thomas Wayne in the story and any right. of that other stuff, that would just be, and then I would, I would honestly decide that that movie is utterly genius. <laughs> I, I was really weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Just because it was, it's bold 
You know, it's it, it yeah. it's really the way it's done now. It's cheeky, you know. It's mm-hmm. just kind of it, it's kind of in your face. It's thumbing it in your face. Like, is this real? Is this not real? This could be the Joker. This couldn't. You know, this might not be the Joker. You know, you don't know if this is an mm-hmm. origin story. I tried to make a real movie, but I just threw some comic book stuff in it to so make a billion dollars at the box office. Blah blah blah. And that's the attitude behind it. Yeah. Some people may love it or not. I, I don't really I don't really have a, a a grudge against anybody who really likes it or who hates it. But I think if he was like, no, this guy's absolutely insane. He fell and it was a commentary yeah. on cosplay. And it was a commentary on on, on the, the the current comic book hysteria. That would have been brilliant. It would have Maybe been absolutely no, it's not. Maybe you know why it's not? It because they haven't said it and they they like i said yeah, ruined yeah. it in certain ways because they have thomas wayne in the story they've got bruce wayne in the story they've got so it's like no yeah, you can't yeah, have it both yeah, ways yeah, yeah. but if it was a parody and we just didn't know it until they revealed it at the end that no right. that wasn't even really the joker and then the guy at the end of it the guy goes on a on a, on a shooting spree you know it's a total commentary about social media uh, about about uh, you know cognitive dissonance and you know the psychotic breaks of mm-hmm. you know dissociation and all that stuff. It would have been a brilliant piece of commentary if they hadn't if they had made it actually a little more ambiguous. Yeah. But since they tried to have you know tried to be cheeky in very obvious ways, it it kind of to me it diminishes the potential for it to have. You know, right. have elevated itself beyond beyond the the, the limits of the genre, um, but I mean, I don't, I don't. He doesn't, he doesn't rate too high in my list. I I loved, like we have said, at nausea. I loved Joaquin Phoenix's performance, but his Joker really wasn't a character. Yeah, yeah. He was a character. His Joker really wasn't. Right. A There's a difference between his performance. And what his character actually was uh, in terms of what we were watching. All right. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed our rank. Um, give us in the Facebook feed. Rank your own. We did our Kevin Smith movies. We did our Joker. We've got Adrian Wassel coming up next from Vault Comics. And we're going to make him rank his own comic books because we are just that kind of people when we come back. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Uh, we talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. I am thrilled to be joined uh, by Adrian Wassel from Vault Comics. How are you doing, sir? I am doing very well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, you are a, a uh, repeat guest now, so you, you know, we're, we're getting the SNL-type uh, type, <laughs> uh, moves. It's your first video, though, which is good. So, yeah, first uh, time seeing my face. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And now, now that you've seen Hassan's face, you might not come back on. 
or maybe <laughs> or maybe you will i don't know who knows you know he's he, he he's he's still got sunglasses on so he's very he's got, he's got the look he's got it down i'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna take this abuse <laughs> <laughs> um one of the many reasons we're excited to have you on though too is just how much uh you guys have grown since we had you on last year uh it was pretty cool i mean going around san diego comic-con checking out a lot of new publishers i'd heard of Vault comics said hey i want to check check you guys out and see what you're all about. And you guys had just had something optioned uh, through Michael B. Jordan's company last year. Uh, just refresh us as to where you were last year as to where you are right now. Cause boy, things have grown. Yeah. Things have grown a lot. Um, so at that point last year, our, our option was for fail safe. Um, and that was Michael B. Jordan and Joe Robert Cole who starred and wrote um, respectively in uh, Black Panther, obviously. Mm -hmm. So they're teaming up again for Failsafe, and um, Joe Robert Cole is working on uh, his take on it right now because he's got a super busy schedule. Um, so he's, he's digging into that. But we've had some really huge progress on other things that came together after Failsafe. Um, yeah. So Vivian Queen, is, they, just, they just wrapped their... Um, filming the first 10 episodes of so the whole first season mm -hmm. just filming that'll be on the sci-fi channel um, okay. in fall of next year. And then Heathen also has been moving forward like really, really well. We've got a director writer. Mm -hmm. um, we're really excited to get casting. So that's been moving. And then we've got a bunch of other stuff going on too. Like wasted space has been an yep. audio adaptation. And then we launched a horror imprint in our publishing line. So yeah, I'll chat your ear off about all that stuff. Um, awesome. But yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of movement really quickly. So basically, nothing's happened since last year. Yeah, yeah. nothing. No, 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 no movement. No movement yeah. whatsoever. Um, before we get into Heathen, because uh, as I kind of mentioned off air, you know, I've read a bunch of the books now too, which is which is which is cool because it's a lot of the books that are really kind of taking off in that sense. How involved are you in? the actual production work do you guys get a say in anything is there is you know because most deals to be honest with you like it tends to be like the publishing company gets hands off but uh, how involved are you um we've been super beneficial uh, or, or we've we've benefited from um like super great teams so mm -hmm. on vagrant queen for instance uh we've been like really engaged with blue ice the production company and mm -hmm. sci -Fi, um from day one plus the cast is just like the, they're the coolest people uh tim rosen and adrian ray are like really engaged comic book fans and so they've been you know like really wonderful to work with and then on heathen um we're still fairly early stage uh, mm -hmm. but it's been really cool because um Catherine hardwick who's directing has like sure. a really great relationship with carrie williamson the writer and carrie has struck up a great relationship with natasha who created the book and so obviously like we're really close with Natasha yeah. They've all formed like a really great creative unit. So we've actually been really um, engaged, like very, like every step of the way we see sort of every draft of the script that Carrie and uh, um, Catherine like work together on. It's been really, really nice. Um, you know, we're, it's, it's typically the case that like, you know, some of like the really, really big uh, studios and stuff will create those deals you're talking about where they have yeah. kind of hands off approach with the publisher. Um, but we've been, we've been incredibly lucky and that's a testament to the people that don't do my job, but do like the, you know, the T like the development sure. side and make sure that, um, you know, our works are really being respected and represented and adapted uh, faithfully. And so, 
we've been really engaged and I can't say that'll hold true for all of our <laughs> stories across sure. the line, but like these first two um, kind of out of the gate have really spoiled us. That's awesome. Uh, Talk to us about uh, Heathen, actually, too, because you had mentioned that uh, it's a beautifully drawn book. Uh, very interesting premise, too. What's the 30-second elevator pitch for those uh, who might be wondering? Yeah, well, so Natasha always pitches it as her little lesbian Viking book. <laughs> um, she'll just, like, put out that card at shows and just, like, watch people just, like, gravitate toward the book. It's a yeah. book that's all about... Um, love but it's also this book that's a, like a really cool sort of epic reworking of norse mythology so young woman gets kicked out of her viking village for kissing a girl and then she goes on like a one woman quest to confront the god king odin and basically change uh the sort of rules and systems of this world um which is like this really cool sort of revisionist take on norse mm -hmm. mythology so it, it ties into all the Re, like the myth mythos but it also completely sort of reworks things mm -hmm. um yeah and the, the art is unbelievable beautifully drawn book i actually found to me the the side characters uh the supporting cast was had a lot of interesting uh tales in that too though uh you know i love i love when she goes and visits uh you know with with the woman and she's cursed to to oh, never yeah. Yeah, to never be with uh, like her true love, uh, you know. So there, there, to me that that was that was like something that drew me uh, into into the story aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. That was I think that moment was like the the thing that just solidified the whole story for me because you think you know where it's gonna go, and then mm -hmm. you know she goes to rescue Brynhild, and Brynhild's like, yeah, but see, you don't understand the curse, and right. in order to actually fix the curse, we have to go do this totally other impossible mm -hmm. task, um, and. I love the way that Natasha plays with reader expectation like that. She sets you up so you feel comfortable, like, oh, I yeah. know this quest, and then flips it, and you're totally surprised as to where it goes, and you meet a whole new set of, you know, secondary characters that you fall in love with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny, when we talked at San Diego, you, you would kind of like, I said, okay, give me, give me the books that you think I should be reading. Uh, and so Heathen was one. Wasted Space was another. Uh, that's another book that, uh, again, the one thing I, I would I would uh, you know absolutely say um, is every book that I've read from you, um, it, it, every book that has it, it's just very professional artwork. Where are we? Where are you finding uh, your talent? I mean, where are you finding these uh, these these talented creators? Because it's you know sometimes when you have an indie indie book or an indie publisher, and it's like you know something gets overlooked. But in yeah. this case, it's you know everything is very professional. Um, I mean, I think just a sort of biographical history of how I got into comics really helped me find a lot of these creators mm -hmm. because I started self-publishing um, and we all really did at Vault. And sure. by way of that, you know, I did the convention circuit. I met all of these people face-to-face mm -hmm. -face as like friends first, which was really a uh, nice way to meet them mm -hmm. and a way to kind of hear about all the stories that they had they wanted to tell that weren't being published. So a lot of these uh, creators, were people that I met, you know, walking artist alleys at mm -hmm. shows and then scouting online using the tools that, I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they can be a nuisance, but they can also be a really excellent tool, especially for editors that are willing to put in that time yeah. and kind of dig in. And so a lot of it was about like meeting these people, reviewing portfolios that way and getting to know that even though 
they hadn't had their break yet, they were committed to being professional. Because a lot of times what you see is incredible, incredible talent, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the sort of workmanship to hit those 20 sure. page per month deadlines that are, mm-hmm. are brutal. They just are. Yeah. And so a lot, about, a lot of my job is making sure that when we take that risk on newer talent, which we love to do at Vault, um, that they're ready for that side of things, which is the, the tough truth of comics, which is like yeah. once the comic starts coming out, you got to roll. <laughs> we learned a lot of lessons ourselves as publishers with sure. that. I think we've learned like how to build way better schedules and run the ship, you know, a lot, uh, run a tighter ship for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it, it's, it's funny too, because like, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, with mainstream last year was, was a book I had come out with, uh, last year, you know, we spent so much, we spent like three years, you know, just trying to get the right publisher and get everything in place. And then we went to Zenoscope and Zenoscope's okay, good. We're going to do it. Great. It's going to come out here. And then it's like, Ooh, you're off and running, you know? And that's like, a lot of people don't realize it's like, Oh, that's it. It's every single day. It was, you know, was, was editing, writing, lettering, you know, making sure Tony, our penciler was coming in with stuff and Tal was doing covers and, and, and Tal and I would, would, as we're, you know, we were, we were tweaking the script as we were kind of going to. So it was just, you know, it's, it's, people realize, you know, what a, what a sprint it becomes after this like marathon of pitching. Yeah. It's like literally the, the gun at the start of the race. <laughs> like, and then yeah. you're off. Because, yeah. I mean, I, and I've tried to like explain that to a lot of creators that are sort of newer to the comics process. And most mm-hmm. of them have been really good at listening to that. But like, I always say like, until you solicit that book, like use every day to feel supremely confident and keep gaining confidence in where things are. The last thing you want to do is be soliciting a book when you're like tentative about anything because you won't have time no. after that. You're just in the sprint. You're not, you can't even look left or right. You're just eyes forward and moving too fast. Yeah. So I would say like, let's do all of our due diligence beforehand. Make sure we're, we've, you know, we've poked and prodded this thing a million times and we know that it's, mm-hmm. it's found, it's where we want it to be. Because once you start moving, it's, <laughs> especially if like Wasted Space is running 25 issues, to keep that thing going, yeah. like, yeah, we just got to be working like it's clockwork because Mike and I are working on a couple other books. Mike's got books elsewhere. Hayden's sure. got books elsewhere. Uh, the whole team does. Uh, yeah. So to keep an ongoing running while we're all working on our own separate things, like, mm-hmm. You have to build that foundation before the first book even launches. We are a big fan of segues, and that actually segues really nicely into my next question. Uh, what is your business model? Because I mean, for me, I, I, I know you guys do the trades, um, you know, but but you mentioned wasted space, and it's an ongoing. Uh, you know, how big are you into the floppies? How big are you into just you know? I mean, ha- explain explain your business model in terms of you know being a successful comic book publisher right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I think. One thing that's really interesting about uh, independent publishers sort of across the board right now is there's a lot of talk of like innovation in indie comics. How do you break the mold to succeed where others don't or mm-hmm. have for time and then fallen off? And it almost sounds sort of like, like regressive and derivative and kind of oversimplified, but our focus has been from day one to lean into all of the things that make comics great and brought us to comics and made us fall in love with comics in the first place. And that is telling incredible stories and focused stories. We Mm -hmm. keep our catalogs small and we focused on sci-fi and fantasy for the first two and a half years that we published. 
And we just launched our seasonal imprint, Nightfall, that does horror. It came out of the gates with the plot. And then we have Black Stars Above coming out in November. So we've, we've our, our business and plan and strategy from day one has been f- to be focused. Sci-fi yeah. fantasy, promise that we're going to do a good job, do that job, iron out all the wrinkles before we promise anything else. And then we promised horror. And now we've kind of learned that system and we know how to deliver on that promise even better. And so in a way, our business model has been a sort of return to the basics. Mm-hmm. And yes, innovation, we absolutely need innovation. And we've been pushing um, like a pre-order system that we have called Book It, where you can like literally just tap on this, your phone screen and pre-order at your local comic shop. Oh, that's awesome. It's also been like, really leaning into the direct market and driving, uh, you know, readers to orders on just by tapping their phone. So they can order at their shop and that makes the shops happy. So then the shops want to sure. and that becomes a really like reciprocal, uh, really mutually beneficial relationship because you know, the direct market, everybody can talk ad nauseum about the flaws in the direct market and they're real and they are, they are definitely problems. But the direct market is also a really incredible place. In today's world, full of all these giant mega corporation conglomerates, you have a lot of private business owners mm-hmm. who spend their days in their shops, doing what they love, selling books to people that love these books. And while we can point to all the problems, like sometimes we should point to how do we how do we do that right? How do we do yeah. service to those small business owners? Um, and that's been Vault's focus at the start, because if we can grow with them, then we can innovate together rather than sort of coming at them with like, here's an, to retailers and readers, here's an innovation that you're totally unaccustomed to and kind of shove it down their throat. So yeah. It's been about building a, a, a really strong mutual relationship and innovating together once we learn uh, sort of all the sides of the business. And that, that's been our strategy from day, from day one. And I think it's really paid off. So you're, this is actually a good, uh, good question too, though, is the question of like TKO comics, for example, you know, they give you the option of like the trade and the floppies all at once. Um, but you, you're, you're more into the serialized, uh, you know, narrative of, of, of comics. Yeah. I, um, I, I love TKO. I love Z. I love Sebastian. They're great guys. We have known each other. I've known Z for years. I've known him since before TKO was a mm-hmm. real thing. And I'm super, super proud of how that came together. And we need that in the indie space. But what they like their mission and our mission, I think they dovetail. Um, and that's sort of what I was talking about. Like we need, we need all of these conversations going on and we need people that have the right ideas for how to solve those problems, working on those problems individually where I think I, you know, sort of excel as an editor is, is honoring the serials, serialized narratives. I love serialized narratives. I don't always want everything to be bingeable. In fact, (laughs) you know, we've always had graphic novels and we've always had, you know, novels and we've had, formats in print publishing that are necessarily already bingeable and you can read all at once. One of the things I love about comics is that anticipation of the next chapter and how that changes formally what you do with narrative. Um, And so I love leaning into that. And I don't think that the market can't have both. I think the fact the market needs both. Yeah. Um, So like, I love what TKO is doing. 
but our plan of attack is very much, um, you know, the single issue comic to the trades. Now that's not to say we aren't doing OGNs. We got some really cool OGN stuff in the works. I, I think they both coexist really well. Um, for us though, knowing how the direct market works and wanting to build that really uh, sort of mutually beneficial reinforcing relationship with with comic book stores, it seemed really important that we run single issue comics and learn what works and what doesn't work for them so that we could know how to better sell our books. Very cool, very cool. And you mentioned new talent, but you've got some, uh, some veteran talent uh, in, your, in your bullpen now. A uh, good friend of ours, uh, Tim Seeley, was talking to me actually uh, at Motor City. He's like, yeah, have you heard of this company, company called Vault? Uh, they're gonna, Vault, they're going to do uh, my new book, and it was called Money Shot, and Money Shot's a very interesting uh, <laughs> book, to say the least. I saw some of the artwork. What, uh, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, Money Shot is one that is definitely uh, not safe for work. Um, so <laughs> It's about this uh, team. This is right, it's right up Hassan's alley, I'm telling you, right? Yeah. No, I, I love this book so much. It's about this team of scientists who have figured out how to conquer sort of interstellar travel, but they can't get it funded um, because basically like aliens came to Earth and they're like, oh man, Earth's a mess and we want nothing to do with it. So they, they hightail it and kind of leave us high and dry. And this woman, this young woman who's like a postgraduate student, brilliant scientist, realizes that like wait porn has led like entertainment innovation for decades what if we do the star trek model and travel to new worlds seek out new life and then engage with it intimately <laughs> and stream <laughs> that back right and that would be our way of funding interstellar travel um so it's this book that like dissects sort of uh science and intimacy <laughs> and it's it manages to balance all of this because like if you know tim you know that tim like he can pull this off he can do yeah. this thing where, yeah. like book and rebecca uh the artist she's incredible and sarah Beatty, the comedian that's co-writing with tim just makes the book <laughs> so funny but he manages to do this he pulls off this trick of making you like believe in this crazy situation and then fall in love with these characters because what the, the heart of the story, if you take all the craziness aside, like away, the heart of the story is these like six super nerdy people basically having sex and then all of the complexities that like ruin or really make relationships sure. uh, there. And so it's like this really wonderful sort of character study of these like six totally different people trying to pretend like they can be, you know, not fall in love with each other or not fall into hate with each other but they sure. do as they you know shoot around the galaxy and oh oh i like the pun I like yeah the pun. uh that was hassan's nervous laughter before when i, I said it's it's right up his alley <laughs> yeah right up your alley hassan no he's just shaking his head at me he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't like me very much period uh two questions real not, quick not in front of our guest <laughs> no, no domestic disputes in front of our guest you know it's funny even even my wife is like because we just did like uh new promo shots for the show and we're gonna debut those pretty soon she's like you guys are like a married couple she's like she's like you're, mar she's like, you're she's like where are our shots <laughs> of like me and his son uh you mentioned social media being a nuisance before. Uh, that's a great segue into my favorite book that you guys do, uh, which you talked about last year was Friendo. Um, Friendo is a scary book. It is a scary book. Uh, it is not a horror book. It is just scary because I feel like that is exactly the future. 
Uh, is that what you immediately thought when you got pitched this? And, and how did that, you know, uh, how did the writer pitch you that book? Yeah, so unfortunately, yes. Uh, Alex, <laughs> incredibly prescient writer. Um, and he's also one of the smartest dudes I have ever talked to. Uh, he's one of the few like, PhDs in comics. The guy is so smart. Every time I get off the phone with him, I'm like, I need to go read some more books. <laughs> I can't quite keep up with Alex. Um, and Alex pitched that book as this like marriage of super low brow, like really gritty, gross kind of inspection of the world with this really high brow kind of uh, philosophical dissection of the birth and death of cultures. And so he's, put the book at this moment that feels like the death of an entire sort of uh, culture and society. And it's like sort of 15 minutes, 15 years in the future kind of feel. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, it, it, it almost feels like it's just 15 seconds away. Yeah. It feels so close that it's alarming. And um, for the, for those who don't know, yeah. For those who don't know, it's about this guy who, uh, you can buy a friendo. It's a holographic uh, friend. But uh, if you buy the paid version, you'll get the ads. And that's the thing that I loved so much about it. The paid, the unpaid version without the ads is literally steering uh, the main character uh, to go check out all these deals and, and things that are going on. And that to me, I was just like, oh my gosh, that, you know, we might as well be, be holding a friendo right here. Cause, yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And then, yeah, and then they, you know... He but it takes on human form, and, like, it's it's scary. Pushing <laughs> more and more depraved uh, things in the name yeah. of sort of late-stage capitalism and or bucking late-stage capitalism. Like, that's the thing. It, it, you know, they're, they're kind of, like, mission to, you know, yeah. put the bird to the man just becomes a mission that feeds right into exactly what this mega corporation wants. Yeah. And so... Like that's, I mean, that's the, the brilliant side of that book is like the, like, how do you break a system when everything is with, contained within that system? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Frendo is, Frendo is, I think, yeah. one of my favorite books we've ever done. It's scathing yeah. and terrifying, but it also manages to be like really hilarious. And yeah, yeah. Really dark humor. Yeah. Um, like if you like dark humor, that book is excellent and we've got more stuff cooking with alex so if you like his his uh his very keen eye yeah. on the world we've got some more books cooking with him cool. i'm really excited about next year all right very cool this is our last question it, this is our rank em show we're actually we just ranked uh kevin and uh kevin smith movies we ranked uh the best jokers uh ever to play jokers so i want you to rank you can go top five here we don't have to go crazy Rank in order the vault books people should be reading if they want to check you out for the first time. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to do it not necessarily like my personal favorites or, you know, like fan favorites, but mm -hmm. more like because we do sci-fi and fantasy and now horror, I think I'm going to do like kind of the poles of the two so you could gauge. So I think... You're not um, allowed. Nope, that's it. So, <laughs> no. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it would be... Um, I would start with, with Heathen because it is such a, uh, you know, like a flagship for us. Mm -hmm. If you like that kind of fantasy, then you can find more in our catalog. I would also start with Frendo. I think Frendo is a great choice yeah. uh, because if you like that really ultra scathing sci-fi, mm -hmm. then you'll have more in our catalog. 
Um, I would then also pick up these Savage Shores because it's like this, it's this really cool gothic uh, horror fantasy involving like sort of these vampires and these uh, mythological creatures from uh, like other cultures. Um, I don't want to spoil anything because that's like kind of one of the cool reveals. Um, but love that book. So these Savage Shores, that would be number mm -hmm. three. Um, then I would definitely pick up uh, The Plot, which is uh, our first book in our horror line. Okay. Because um, it'd be cool, you know, as you're, if you're a reader to figure out like, oh, do I like what they're doing with horror? Um, and then I think my fifth book there would probably be uh, Sarah and the Royal Stars um, because that's another book that we plan to run for quite some time. So it's something that if you invest in and you like, then you can kind of get in fairly early on a book that's going to run. Um, at least 10, probably more issues. Cool. Um, I think those would be kind of my five. Like you got some great sci-fi, some fantasy, some horror. And then, yeah, I think that kind of, kind of gives you a shape of the catalog. Very, very cool. Uh, well, Adrian, thank you so much for taking some time. Go get some sleep. Go get over yeah. the con crud near Comic-Con. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's got to do that. And uh, we appreciate having you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get you back on. When we come back, we go spinning the racks. I'm everything my 19-year-old self fought hard to not be. Yes, you are the... It's like 19-year-old self is like, You've become what you hate. You've become the enemy. 19-year-old self, don't sell out. <laughs> yeah, 39-year-old self is like... Sell out sell every night. Out. <laughs> like, sell it out, baby. First sell sign of out. trouble. First sign of trouble, sell out. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank our guest, Adrian Wassel from Vault Comics. Go check out all their cool stuff. You're going to be seeing some of their stuff on TV and some of their stuff in movies. Uh, really cool guys. Really nice uh, to see that kind of success. All right. We do this every week. We go spinning the racks. All right, this was our Rankum episode, all right? So why not do our Spin the Racks on five 90s Marvel characters that are still awesome and five that haven't aged well. I found this on CBR.com as well, too, uh, from Julian Bouvois. Bouvet? Bouvet? Nah, who knows? But I thought it was a pretty cool list, and uh, we've got a little bit of time left. Hassan, top ten. This is five that are awesome, five that haven't aged well. Still awesome, Sleepwalker. Do you remember Sleepwalker? No. You don't remember Sleepwalker? Rick Sheridan's subconscious. The hero comes out when the guy falls asleep, fights crime. No. Still a pretty cool-looking character, and he's still pretty Does cool. Does it look cool? Is that, the, is that the parameter that he's supposed to look um, cool, or is he supposed to like actually be a cool character? Yeah, both. It looked cool, and it was a cool, you know... <laughs> At a time when comic characters were all muscle-bound and armed to the teeth. Ah, oh, the 90s. I miss you so. Part of Sleepwalker's appeal was his unique and somewhat spooky appearance. Um, and he would protect uh, Rick's mind and fight crime at the same time. It's a pretty cool book. Fair enough. Hasn't aged well. Rage. Now, do you remember mm -hmm. uh, the New Warriors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is in the 90s. Street gangs were the subjects of constant media coverage. Stimulating yeah. public anxiety regarding urban violence, uh, Elvin Halliday experienced this firsthand until a dip in some chemicals granted him super strength. 
in vulnerability and aged him to an adult. Uh, with his grandmother's encouragement, Elvin donned a costume and joined the ranks of the Superfolk, spending time with both the Avengers and the New Warriors. Uh, has not aged uh, particularly well. Um, his characterization, characterization never really eventually beyond the one-dimensional. His recent death put his readers out of their misery. I guess he died in a... In a <laughs> uh, so he's gone. Well, then he's not really that cool today anyway because he's dead. He didn't age well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Number eight, still awesome, Gambit. I mean, that's, a, that's an obvious one. Uh, number seven that hasn't aged well, Bishop, which I was surprised he made the list here because I think he has aged well, but apparently according to CBR, dystopian alternative... Well cherry curls, and, you know. Well, okay. He's from a dystopian <laughs> alternate future uh, where he was a refuge from one of those futures where a gun-toting, uh, <laughs> pouch-wearing someone killed Professor Xavier. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but apparently, however, as the storyline drew out, so did his appeal. And when it reached <laughs> its inevitable conclusion, interest in the character had faded considerably. That's a character you can do so much with, though. Uh, man, you out could of time. do it. I mean, but you'd have to. The thing is, the way they're doing this is this is the this is the problem. I was talking about not necessarily with House of X, but with. Um, but with these grandiose, like re redefinition stories, you know, yeah. or these uh, these displaced time traveler stories. Yeah, there's just so much of it, and then these these characters get dropped by the wayside. Yeah, you know, yeah. I remember Bishop. Bishop was an amazing character yeah. when we were, you know, when yeah. we were growing up, and now people are like, oh, remember Bishop? You know, yeah. because we've rebooted it so many times, and he didn't, he never found his track in the act in in the heart of the actual X Men. So. Yeah kind of just vanished yeah no he, he's someone last i saw a bishop last time i was reading uh x-men he he's was in, the shyar uh he's in one of those house of x or powers of x because i just finished the series he's in there somewhere so we'll see we'll see if he makes uh, a comeback he's in there marvel somewhere. i will that's pitch a, you a, that's an endorsement we should <laughs> we should pitch a bishop series let's do it mm. all right still awesome squirrel girl squirrel girl is actually a very controversial character uh because Essentially, she was introduced as comic relief in the 90s, and then they rewrote her today as the most powerful hero in the Marvel Universe. Like, she can beat everyone. (laughs) Okay. She has impressive victories against Doctor Doom, Galactus, even Thanos. Yes, that Thanos. Uh, She's beaten up Wolverine, like... um, but she's super ultra popular. I mean, she she really is because of because of this. They they turned Squirrel Girl into. There's something poetic about that, though, in that you bring in someone who. You you introduce someone who is has no merit or value to the comic book universe, and it somehow turns into this awesome character. It's all the retconning. Yeah. You know. Number five hasn't stop, aged well. Stop retconning things. Darkhawk. Darkhawk. <laughs> Darkhawk Dark was, was the S back then, too. And uh, <laughs> not, not very good. Number no. four. Number four, still awesome. Carnage. Carnage is back. And, ah, I never liked Carnage. Uh, you know, I loved him when he first... Uh, the idea of... Because Carnage know, Venom, was just red Venom. Yeah, but no, no. But Venom had rules. Venom had a series. But that's a concept. Know. That's not really a character. Okay, so, so like... Um, Carnage was Venom without any of those. The rules. thing with comic book characters is comic book characters had 
a visual. Right. And then they were, they had a concept that was based on the visual. Yeah. A lot of times in the development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So red venom. Oh yeah. He's venom, but he kills people. He yeah. doesn't, you know, doesn't have a, all right. You know, it's like, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a concept to me, you know? Right. So it wasn't, it's not like Darth Maul. You know, where that was an amazing visual with no concept. With no concept, you know? yeah. So, like, you're like, holy crap, this is, that, that's the most amazing. That guy's going to be, you know, terrifying. And, uh, he's dead. Hugh McGregor killed him. So, like, it was, so you're like, oh, you know, and that's to say, that's kind of how I felt about Carnage. People have like, to realize, too, this was an era in the 90s where, <laughs> I mean, when something was popular, like, I mean, Marvel yeah, would just more. beat it make, make to death. One. And there's yeah, Max and Carnage. One. The number three character here is, is another... Uh, he's three, hasn't aged well, is the Scarlet Spider. That oh. was another from the Clone oh. Saga. But oh, my God. What do you mean didn't age well? I don't, I don't remember he's back. that having... He's back again, yes. He's back again. I don't remember how that having been able to age at all. I don't remember people gravitating to that Apparently, according to Tom Brevoort, um, sales went up when the Clone Saga started, and then they turned. They made a dis- huge decision to like say that Peter Parker was a clone this entire time, and mm-hmm. Ben Parker was the real Spider-Man, uh, and that was just and it, it turned malignant. It was the Luke Skywalker uh, yes. Last yes. Jedi thing all over again. Yes. It's like wait a minute, do not mess with my hero. Yes, you can make a new hero. Nobody yes. has a problem with you making a new hero, but don't yeah. don't you know? It was the same as saying it's a. Uh, Captain America was a was a uh, you know a member of uh, Hydra. Right. Like, whoa, dude. Right. Really? You guys are bored. That's right. the problem. You guys, right. you guys have the keys to the kingdom, and you're bored. That's that is a terrible thing. Okay, number, go ahead. Number two on this list, which would actually be the number one, still awesome, is Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool uh, had a passing. Not really resi- from that long ago, though. Deadpool's not the as 90s. old as people think. He's at the end of the nineties. No, he wasn't. No, he was in X Force number one, 1991. He was in New Mutants. Uh, oh so yeah, but he wasn't. The, he wasn't the Deadpool that I mean, we he, know it, until you know it, it wasn't. Joe Kelly kind of did some stuff with him that um, now. Fab, I mean, because I remember he was a vicious assassin in the X Force. Yes, yes. You know, he was, and he yes. was. It was. It was another visual without a concept right you know and then they they slowly fleshed out a concept uh, fabian fabian has been on the show before and he's talked about the creation yeah. of deadpool and how uh it really was you know just a lot of like wisecracking and things like that it's almost like if spider-man was a deadly assassin yeah but they didn't didn't fabian add meat to it like yes. a little after the the development i mean the very first appearance of him right he was just it, a he was just an assassin yeah, he was a super spy. Like he was, you know, with a lot of pouches and big guns. Yeah, because <laughs> he was a life field, uh, you know, uh, uh, addition. So yeah, yeah. No, he's clearly. Uh, I, I mean, who would have thought? Too, he's the biggest life field creation. Where is I mean, Wolverine? No, no, Wolverine's not a '90s character. He's a '70s character. Number one hasn't aged well. Cable. Cable hasn't aged well because they haven't done anything with him. Yeah, I mean, Cable, cable was, the, was pretty. Cable uh, was the solution to a plot line, essentially, of what happened to Nathan yeah. Summers. Yes, and then they over they they marvelled it 
They yeah. had a number yeah. of Nathan Summers because there was also Strife, yeah. who was also supposedly another son of Scott Summers and, and Jean Grey. From a different to be a clone. timeline. Oh, uh, those clones. Yeah. Oh, this is this is how much uh, comic books influenced my worldview. Though um, what they write about Cable is that he had a proactive approach to human mutant relations, uh, and, and I remember this too. I mean, there was an episode. Episode there was an issue of Uncanny X Men. I think it was two seventy three, where the where Storm is leading the X Men at the time, and she lays out all of the villains, and Cable's basically like, "All right, so why don't we just go kill them all?" And they're like, we don't do that. <laughs> and it's like, well, if not, they're going to come get us. And then fast forward about 10 years later, and we're about to get into the Iraq war. Yes, this is really real-time stuff that I'm bringing into this. Uh-huh. And George W. Bush is up there being like, we have to go after these terrorists now before they come get us. And I'm like, oh, he's Cable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's like Cable. And we know how to deal with him. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we just have to get a clone of George W. Bush. <laughs> and he can put him and dress him up in a, in a silver outfit and he can counterbalance the other George W. Bush. Yeah. That's, that's how comic books taught us how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. In reality, we got, uh, we got John Kerry. And then, so that Adrian Wassel was fantastic, right? That kind of blew it. We Adrian, Adrian from Vault, he was fantastic. The rest of us? Uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> next week's we will try to see jane silent bob strikes back uh hopefully we can attend one of these meetups i don't think i think the meetups are over actually i think the meetups are this week and we didn't get our lanyards so uh we're, we're, we'll we'll see we'll see how the reviews of jane, it's silent, not jane bob. silent bob strike back right it's, oh no i uh... sorry get rebooted yeah mm. yeah and if not we'll come up with more ranks we'll see you guys next week <laughs> real incentive to come back <laughs>